This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. So coming right back to that, just just briefly, I mean, this kind of raises some of the issue we sometimes have with people's hermeneutics as it comes to the Old Testament, where it's example, uh, you know, we we talk sometimes about how you can take a text that's written about Israel and then you automatically apply that to America, then, you know, here automatically apply that to the life of the church. Any thoughts on kind of just Old Testament hermeneutics uh, when you come to a text like this, being careful one, we we, we kind of want to take the governors off being careful when it comes to Christ-centered preaching, but there there has to be something when it comes to our hermeneutics as far as what is the text actually saying, uh, what is intended by it. Any thoughts that you want to share there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the judges is one of the clearest examples, the entire book, of the fact that you can't do this hard and fast, be like the good guys, don't be like the bad guys, because these are these are like real life people who are messy. There's there's things that are good about them and there's things that are bad about them. And you just can't you can't do this real easily. I mean, the point of Judges four and five is that the Lord saved Israel from the Canaanites. And then we're going to we'll see in our next episode. I mean, like the Gideon thing with the how they drank the water. I mean, people try to use that to apply all kinds of things, which I don't think the text allows you to do. So it's not. It's not like this is trying to give us some moral example to follow. This is not Aesop's fables. Um, it's mainly trying to talk to us about the way the Lord saved his people. And yes, the way he used humans flawed to do humans, that yep. and flawed humans to do that. Um, and so now one of the things I will say, I do think, I do think that this text is a slight, I'll say it's slight. And Jeff had mentioned that he, you know, obviously, Barak has faith, and and I think Jeff called it weak faith, uh, which is which is true. I think I think this text is something of a slight rebuke on the passivity of the men who were involved in this, um, and so I think I think it, we could we could you know as a application, obviously not saying this is the main application or or, or the main thing the text is doing, but to say you know when men do not step up in leadership in the home and men do not step up in leadership in the church. Uh, that's an indictment on, on them. Um, and so it more, it's a more of an indictment on men than it is necessarily like trying to say women should step into some roles that God has not assigned to them, but a slight indictment on men in the same breath will say, Lord, thank you for the fact that even though it's weak faith, God still honors that. And, Hebrews 11, you know, uh, in some ways celebrates Barak. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful that weak faith <laughs> is accepted mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, mine is is often very weak. Jeff, yeah. you were going to say and, something. You know, I th- oh, go ahead, Pete. No, I was just going to say, like, to your point about hermeneutics, 
I think that uh, like we would all agree the divine author has an agenda to get us to Christ. Of course, that's <laughs> that's the point of the podcast. But also, we would all agree that God, the divine author, is using human authors. And so I think when you allow yourself to look at that, what you see is is the human author that could be Samuel is is pointing to Deborah um and 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 speaking about her speaking about Jael speaking about these ladies and then of course we see that the next book in the bible Ruth which you know it, it it's again extolling this idea of a faithful woman and then you get to first Samuel and it begins with this idea of Samuel's mom Hannah uh praying and interceding uh to the Lord and so I think that that we can hermeneutically say there is something going on at the level of trying to to lift up women as equal image bearers of God, gifted by God, using God's plan and purposes. But also, I think that it's just hermeneutically, uh, honestly, silly to try to take this text that has nothing to do with a New Testament church. It has nothing to do with a corporate worship gathering. And it's really hard to even get there uh, if you're jumping over some hula hoops to get there and say anything about Deborah speaking to leadership within the church. You just don't have to use this text to get there. There's other New Testament texts that can get you there. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what are you going to add? Oh, I can't even remember now, but (laughs) following on from what he said, if you start doing that with Deborah, you'll get in big problems. You can jump from anything to justify Mm. anything else. Uh, So, yeah. It's helpful. I want to move to the the Christ-centered connections, but first kind of mention the gruesome nature of the text. Jeff, when you're preaching this, or Peyton and John, how are y'all kind of handling that, um, that aspect of I guess maybe apologetically with your people talking through uh, what's happening there. I mean, I just said it as it was. Maybe they're getting used to it. They've just had Ahud and have addressed it already. Some of the gruesome nature. So they're used to it. But I'm highlighting this as going back to the whole point of it. This is a deliverance. And if you were the person oppressed... And when you hear maybe what was going on with Sisera, even revealed in chapter five at the end of it, maybe he had his harem and and how he treated women terribly. For him to be defeated like he was by a woman, this tyrant, if you were the one oppressed, you were some of the women having to be oppressed under this, you would be singing the song with Deborah savoring the victory Mm -hmm. yourself. And I think we'll see when it gets to the Christ connections more going on here as well. But as gruesome as it is, it's a deliverance. And it was Mm -hmm. told this is what it is. And it's, and it was celebrated. Mm. So, so yeah, in in the same way, I I lean into the violence here um, in all of these texts. And so I'll just say a couple of things uh, about that one, when I'm applying it, I make clear the New Testament tells us our enemy is is uh, principalities and powers, not flesh and blood. But that doesn't mean that that spiritual warfare is any less violent than physical warfare. It's actually as violent. Um, it's just different means and different weapons. Yep. Uh, and so I so I lean into that. Uh, and then secondly, to to Jeff's point, I, and I can't remember who the quote the quote came from, but there was a there was a theologian who who lived in a war torn uh, place and kind of like I guess former. Soviet Union um, 
who basically talks about he he basically says this i this idea of passivity of pa- uh, pass- uh, pacifism and and nonviolence um only can find itself really energized in the comforts of the suburbs mm. is what he says uh, he said because if you he 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 basically says if you live in a place where your your young men have been killed and your women and your daughters have been raped and and violated and your homes have been taken from you and like that that kind of the, the idea that that you would advocate for nonviolence if that was what happened to you uh, again is something that he says only is is in the safety of the confines of the nice mm-hmm. suburb but he, what he says is the bible says that 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 violence is only justified and right when it comes from god um and that we are not the ones who are called mm-hmm to enact it ourselves, but we are called to vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy's hungry, you feed him. And we hand, we hand that over to the Lord and we trust him that he's going to do what is right. He is the judge of all the earth and he's going to do what is right. And so he says, that's the only way you can actually get to Christian nonviolence is if God is actually violent right. and God mm-hmm. is the one who enacts justice. And I think we, I think the judges can help us see that because this is, again, a time condition point in Israel's history where God is sanctioning and and empowering by the Spirit them to do what they're doing. This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. Zonovan Bibles has partnered with the Passion Movement to bring you an accessible study Bible with features designed to help you meet Jesus throughout the Scripture. With over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, this study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017, and now select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. There was never a moment before him. There will never be a moment without him. There is no DC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. That's good. That's good. Let's go to Christ Connections. Jeff, um, how does how does the tent peg point us to Jesus? <laughs> in a direct line straight there is basically what I would say. Uh, that is how I went to Jesus, because it is clearly emphasized the striking of the tent peg in the head. And in chapter five as well, she struck Sisera, verse 26, slows down. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. This is, in my mind, showing how God has brought the victory, divine deliverance through the crushing and defeating of the enemy. Mm. And it's clear in my mind, this is pointing to to Christ and how he triumphs over the evil one, the enemy Mm. and over Satan. And it's going back to the the Genesis three serpent crusher in my mind and very much like the David and Goliath uh, story where Goliath and his head is chopped off and the enemy is is defeated. This of all the ones, I think maybe it was mentioned last week about Ehud and you could use it as the defeating of the enemy. And of course you can. 
but of all the passages, the crushing of the head the, that seems to be emphasized here. So this is showing how, pointing ultimately, I think, to Jesus crushing. And actually, how did that happen? Through a bloody, nitty, gritty, messy event being nailed to a mm. cross. Mm. And here, Cicero is nailed Penteg through the temple, enemy defeated. Well, Christ did that through the cross, triumphs over Satan through the mm. cross. So this, in my way, the temp peg points to Jesus. Mm. Good. Mm. John, what Amen. would you add there on Christ's interconnection? I, I really, I would only add just a, a couple of things because that's exactly what I think the text is doing. It's certainly an echo to Genesis three. chapter three. Yeah. And the only thing I would add is to say that Genesis 3 says that this promise is going to come through the vehicle of a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you see that that clearly here. You have Deborah, you have Jael, um, that God is clearly using to bring uh, the victory. And the only other thing I would add is just we talked about before is the, the, impossi- the seeming impossibility of the victory because they had iron chariots. And so forth. As we we talked about chapter one, they use that as an excuse not to do to finish the conquest. Um, and yet God's showing here, I mean, iron chariots don't matter mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that the fact that they seem like they're the superior force does not matter. Um, and so he he brings the victory in that way. And yeah, it's a it's a clear line to the crushing of, of Satan's head. Peyton. Yeah, I, I do it the exact same way. The only thing that I would add is within the psalm, there's this echoing of this language of the floodwaters, which, again, we know that in Scripture speaks to both cleansing and judgment. And so to answer the earlier question um, about how, how do we, as 21st century believers, reconcile this idea of, of justice and vengeance and what seems to be awful— is to talk about this really is a story of judgment. Um, it, it's not a story of injustice or capricious violence. It's a story of Good. judgment. And so kind of talking about Sisera as really a type of the evil one, uh, because I think in Genesis 3.15, we normally jump to the offspring, Jesus, overthrowing Satan, which of course is true. But there's also this idea that there are going to be many offsprings of the serpent, which is why we have this lineage playing out through Goliath and through others. And so really trying to lift this up as um, as as almost a seed of the serpent being crushed. And that's a good thing because God is just. Um, and so, but yeah, I, I think I think Jeff nailed that's it. That's good. Hey, Jeff, uh, how do we make this? Nailed cle- it. Nailed it. <laughs> ah. Didn't even realize. <laughs> I, I didn't. I just nailed That's it. That's incredible. That was good. Jeff, how'd you make it clear for your people? How'd you apply it to them? Well, I saw that this is all God's plan. Thinking of the text in itself, you can see how God has orchestrated all the events. Even that, you know, the little unusual little passage of, of introducing this guy and the family moving from the south, the, the Heber and Jail, and how they ended up being up north. Uh, all then bringing the flood, the water, bringing them down. This is all, and the text is showing it, is the Lord that routed Sisera. And he has planned precisely every event from the rivers to the floods to the moving house to the timing. And they were in a mess. And so 
we can trust that whatever mess we're in, God is orchestrating his events uh, and nothing is happening by accident. Uh, and even some of the, the tiny details, God's hidden hand is at work and that's a comfort. So we can trust in God's plan despite what mess we're going through. But also we see the the victory that is won that we've talked about crushing the evil one. Well, we see even then in whilst we can rely on that uh, and on Christ's victory over the evil and not let him come against us and, and make our stand. We're to battle with him. We see in, in chapter 5 that the, the song commends tribes who risked their lives in the battle and, and they were obedient. And so we, uh, on the winning side, are still to be, I think, willing volunteers. They're, they're, they're noted as being uh, in serving on the victorious side and you can flesh that out in different ways how we are uh, to be on the winning side and to yeah use the weapons of warfare we have now that the enemy will uh, be defeated so it's good this podcast is generously sponsored by the Pillar Network the Pillar Network is a community of SBC and international Baptist churches that are doctrinally aligned missionally driven and committed to equipping planting and revitalizing churches together if you're a pastor of an established church and you're desiring to lead your congregation to plant churches, but you're not sure how to get started, Pillar could be a great resource for you. Reach out to them today at thepillarnetwork.com. Thepillarnetwork.com. John, what about you? So I did, I, so one, I did um, talk about obviously women as equal image bearers and, and all the different ways that God uses women. Um, to be part of his redemptive purposes. While I made, I did make the qualification that it doesn't override the New Testament's ecclesiology, but so I definitely made uh, that point. I also did, as I talked about earlier, uh, talked about um, Barak. Even though it was weak faith, uh, it was still faith that the Lord used, um, and and He blesses in Hebrews eleven, and so that's that's good news for us. Um, and so you know, and, and so I kind of talked about. You know, I, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief um, there. And then I I really spent the last half of the sermon focusing on uh, singing and, and the, the role of the song and, uh, you know, our, our need for worship and how worship is meant to remind us of the saving acts of God and um, and so why why worship is important. And so that those are those are some of the ways that I. Um, um, apply this because, you know, songs are meant to celebrate what God has done. Uh, they're meant to, um, you know, to build faith for the future that the Lord's going to, what he's done before he's going to do again. And, um, so that, that's how I apply yeah, it. Some say worship, particularly musical worship is the response to revelation. And so this is the response right. to the, to the, yeah, the victory of God. Uh, Peyton, what about for you when you applied this, uh, for your folks? Yeah. I, I mean, Everything that these guys have said is really helpful. The only thing that I'm, I might have done a little bit uh, differently is the very last verse of the song in chapter 5. Um, it says, So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And I, I think that there's um, somewhat of a theme in Scripture about this idea of the sun, the light, revealing, healing. Um, and it comes right on the heels of this idea of God's enemies perishing. And so, again, just because I think the violence of the text can often be just really off-putting, use it as an opportunity to say, 
those of us who, who have received both mercy and justice in the cross of Christ are now to join with God in exposing injustice um, and seeking to be uh, armor bearers of, of bringing forth justice. And so I think uh, uh, I talked about abortion and a couple of different other areas about what it looks like as believers to expose those areas um, is, a, is a good and right thing because it reflects God's character. Good stuff. Any uh, final thoughts on Deborah Barrick and, and this these couple chapters? I just wonder if when Bar- uh, when Sisera asked JL for a glass of water, if she said, uh, you can trouble me for a warm glass of milk, <laughs> and then I'm going to make you shut the heck Happy up. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, I, I, like to think, I like to think so. Well, uh, thank you guys. Next week, we'll look at the life of Gideon, a little more well-known. Uh, and so... Uh, Yeah, stick with us and judges. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or text you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.